I can't think of a, a greater joy than becoming a father. I was able to be uh, in the hospital when my wife gave birth to our six children. <laughs> I had to count for a minute there. Um, and each one was different. Each one was a new experience. But the, the very first child we had 20 years ago, my son, he's 20 years old now, uh, when he was born, I, there was just such a joy in my heart. I mean, it's one thing to go through the pregnancy and see the child. You know, you know something's happening there. But when you actually hear that little baby cry and, and, you, and you can hold it in your arms, it's such a tremendous feeling. And I got so excited uh, after holding him for the first time that I had to run out and get something from the car. I got into the elevator. I couldn't hold it anymore. And I just began jumping up and down in the elevator. That's something you don't want to do. The elevator broke. <laughs> and it was caught between floors, and I, somehow I, I, I didn't know what to do. I managed to pull the, the sides of the door open, and I squeezed through the hole that was there, and, and, uh, but that, that's the kind of joy that I had. Well, when my daughter was born, Abigail, she was my second child. Uh, she's 18 now. When she was uh, born, I decided I wasn't going to jump in an elevator, and uh, I, the name we gave my daughter, Abby, Abigail, the name is actually a, con- it's a Hebrew name. It's actually a compound word. It's Abba. And Gail, well, Abba, you know, means daddy or dad or dada or my dad. And Gail means jumping up and down with joy. So what her name means is my dad is jumping up and down with joy. Is there any parent here that just felt that when your child was born? (laughs) What an awesome thing to to bring children. And it's even another awesome experience is to see a person come to know Christ. Well, the, 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 the title of my message today is In My Father's House. And the thought I want to share with you today is what God has made, the provision that God has made for us to come into His family. You know, in my own personal testimony, uh, I was, uh, in fact, uh, it was in July. In fact, my spiritual birthday is coming up here in July. Uh, July 6th, in 1976, that's when Jesus Christ came into my heart. What I, what I like to tell people is I celebrate Christmas in July because that's when Christ was born in my heart. That's when real life came to me. That was my real Christmas experience. But that's when I gave my... And the thing that was a blessing, the thing that was... Uh, so, so unique about that is I was raised up in a Christian family, but a nominal Christian family. We went to church every Sunday. We, uh, I read the Bible on my own. I thought I had to do that. And we prayed, and we prayed the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven. I, I knew all those things. I had I learned all that from a little child up. But when I would say Our Father who art in heaven, it was kind of like, well, you know, it's uh, things I would say, but the real feeling of it wasn't there. It was just words. Now, I didn't realize that that at the time. I thought I was, you know, really praying to God. But the night that someone shared with me about the saving grace of Jesus Christ, about being born again into God's family, and that night when I knelt down and I received Christ as my Savior, it's an experience. It's a birth. That night when I received Christ as my Savior, I remember the day and the hour, the time. It was, it was a it was a birth, and the 
feeling that I had inside was all of a sudden, like my eyes were open. And when I said, Father, all of a sudden it was real. God is my Father. He's brought me into His family. It's a real experience. He's really there and He's really accepted me. And it was such a real experience that when I looked back at the, I thought, how could I have ever prayed that prayer before? I had no idea what I was even saying. Our Father who art in heaven, what is that? All of a sudden I knew He's my dad. He's my father, and he's accepted me into his family. You know, uh, being, to be part of God's family, you need to be born into it. Uh, one famous evangelist, I believe it was Billy Graham or perhaps Oral Roberts, used to say it like this, God doesn't have grandchildren. What does that mean? Well, that means just because your parents had an experience doesn't mean you automatically have that same thing. To be part of God's family, you need to be born into that family. You need to, uh, God does a work in your life. In fact, it's, it's not a process. How many here have a birth certificate? Does your birth certificate say something like this, that, so, uh, that, that uh, so-and-so was born sometime between the years of 19 and, does it say that? Or does it give a specific day, time, and hour? Specific time, doesn't it? Now, you may not remember, if you've been born again, you may not remember the specific time, but God has a certificate for you up in heaven. He has your birth certificate up in heaven. He knows the day he brought you into his family. It's not some kind of a process. Well, you know, if I sit in church long enough, then I'll be part of God's family. It doesn't work like that. You have to be born. You have to be brought. Jesus says, no man can come unto me unless the Father draws him. And then he went on to say, no one can come to the Father except by me. There's an experience that we need. And today, if you've never been born again, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, if it's something you've thought about or something you're not sure about, today's the day to experience Jesus Christ as your Savior, to be brought into God's family, or as the title of the message, to be brought into God's house, in my Father's house. Hallelujah. There's a real experience of salvation for you. But what I want to talk about, the thing that, that, that I was meditating on these past, past weeks in preparing for this message for Father's Day is the fact that, that the Bible uses the term, well, let's look at it, in Ephesians in chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, and if you don't have your Bible with you, there should be one in a pew right in front of you, and, and uh, to find Ephesians, I believe it's on page 1,000, and let's see, who can find it for me? 1,000 and... There you go, 1,004, and your Bible's right there in the pew, okay? But it says here in Ephesians, this is what Paul says. He says, starting with verse 2, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now listen to this in verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. I want to talk about that idea of adoption, but before we get into that, uh, just to understand a family unit and what it means to be brought into God's family. Basically, in a family, there are three family ties. 
that maybe you could relate to with me here this morning. Three family ties. The first is uh, we're in a family tie, uh, it's, a, it's a legal tie. We carry the family name. We, we have a secure inheritance. Uh, we have uh, an equality in the family. See, there's a legal tie that's there. Uh, with that family. A second tie that we have as part of a family is an emotional tie. There's love and acceptance. Now, we need to understand something, uh, is that sometimes in the world or even the media, it's kind of like been destroying what family really is. But in my father's house, in God's house, there is absolute acceptance and love that's equal for every single person. Can you say amen to that? Amen. And so there is an emotional tie in a family, but there's a third tie that's even uh, very, that's very unique, and it's the blood tie. When you're born into a family, there's a blood tie. That means this. That means that you, have, you carry the genes of your parents, of your family line. The DNA is there. Um, I know when each of our children were born, we'd have relatives that come by and, and they look at this little tiny baby that's got wrinkles all over its face still from being born. They go, oh, wow, that little baby girl looks just like your great, great, great grandmother. <laughs> oh, oh look, look at the way he smiles. That's the way your grandpa used to smile. And I look and I say, oh. sometimes I would joke with my, my mother-in-law. I said, you know what? My little daughter's left ear looks just like yours. <laughs> You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a blood tie, not only just in looks, sometimes uh, there's, uh, there's, there's uh, talents that are passed on, maybe a grandparent or a great-grandparent had musical abilities and that's passed. There's different things that we receive, a likeness, a likeness, not only in our, in our, ability, not only in our looks, but also in our abilities, there's a likeness that we receive through the, through the genes passed down through the family. So there's a blood tie. But the Bible says that we are adopted into God's family. We're adopted into God's family. And, and the idea of adoption, the word adoption as Paul used it, was actually a term used legally in, 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 in the Roman and Greek culture. And literally the word means to place as a son. And Basically, when someone was adopted, there would be papers signed, and the moment that happens, that child becomes a full heir in that family. They become, they have full rights in that family. That's an adoption process. And what God is offering to you and I through the gospel, through Jesus Christ, is He's offering us that adoption. Now, there's two things to understand about adoption. First of all, the a person that's adopted, it's assumed that that person belonged to another family before. You're adopting them out of one family into your family. And, and that's the same way it is with God adopting us. Just because God created us, just because maybe we're even in church, doesn't mean we're part of God's family. We need to be adopted because we're born, when we're born into this world, we're born into a different family. How many understand that? Have you ever heard someone say, oh, we're all God's children? It's not true. The Bible makes it very clear that the moment Adam and Eve in the garden disobeyed God and took their step away from God's plan, they fell into sin. And we are born 
with their genes, with their DNA. We're born with that nature of sin inside of us. Oh, but children aren't evil inside. Let me ask you a question, parents. Did you ever take time to teach your child how to do something wrong? Did you ever teach them how to lie? Or did they learn that by themselves? Oh, my child would never do that. They learned that from the neighborhood kid. (laughs) How many realize we're born with the nature of sin inside? It's what the Bible teaches. It's what the Bible teaches. We're born with a nature of sin. Not only are we just sinners by the things we do, but we're also born with a nature of sin inside. The the theological term is Adamic nature. We're born with that. We're all equal in the sense that we're born in sin. David said in Psalms 51, from the moment I was born, I was a sinner. In sin, my mother conceived me. I was conceived in sin. In other words, it was in him from the very beginning. You don't have to teach your children how to do that. You know, that that nature of sin is developing in them the moment that they're born. Nothing more selfish than a baby that cries all night long, right? (laughs) Only thinking about himself. We don't consider it like that. We see it as our chance to be a parent. That's a wonderful thing. But there's a nature of sin in them. And it's, it's, it's something that we need to recognize, even about ourselves, that that nature of sin is there. God has provided through the gospel a way to deal with that, but that nature of sin is there. We belong to another family, not God's family. So one aspect of adoption is that it's assumed that this person comes from another family. And yes, that's what God wants to do. He's bringing us out of a family that was a, with a sin nature into his family, into his family. You know, children are funny, aren't they? How many parents have had some experiences trying to train your children the right way, right? You know, it's one thing to train them the right way. It's another thing to know how to deal with them when they do something wrong. I'll never forget my one daughter, Priscilla. She couldn't, I'm sure she wasn't more than maybe four years old, maybe younger, and uh, she, she likes chocolate. And uh, so one day, you know, I went to knock, I noticed the door of her room was closed. And I went, and I, I, we tell our kids not to have their doors closed. They should have their doors open when we're around. And so I said, I knocked on the door, and she says, yes, Daddy. I said, Priscilla, are, what are you doing in there? Why is the door closed? Oh, just a second, Daddy. I'll be right out, Daddy. And, and I knocked again. I said, Priscilla, please, you got to open that door. You know, you shouldn't be in there behind the door by yourself like that. She said, I'll be right out, Daddy, just one second. And finally, she, she opens the door and looks at me. She goes, yes. Daddy? I said, Priscilla, what have you been doing? She says, nothing. Isn't it interesting when little children, especially when their hearts are still kind of innocent, like innocent or their their conscience is still kind of tender, they can't look you in the eye. My, My mom had a good, she would always say, look me in the eye and say that. What, mom? I I didn't do anything. You you can't look him in the eye. Well, I said, Priscilla, what's, what's wrong? I didn't do anything. I said, Priscilla, what were you doing? Nothing. I looked at her. I said, were you eating chocolate? She goes, no. I said, then how come there's chocolate all over your face? <laughs> so, of course, we had to sit down and talk to her about it. it was a, I could hardly keep from laughing about it because she was trying so hard. But you see, it's a nature inside of us. But through the gospel, through Jesus Christ, God has made a way to bring us out of that. Out of that. And it was costly. It cost the death of God's own son. You see, another thought about adoption is this. In an adoption, you choose the child. A parent is actually choosing the child. 
And think about that just for a minute. Maybe uh, think about the fact that God chose us. Think about that. If you imagine yourself in some, some orphanage, all the problems that you have in your life, all the problems I have in my life, and here comes God wanting to adopt us. Why did he choose us? Why did he choose us? It says in 1 John chapter 3, it says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. Think about that. God chose. And back to Ephesians chapter 1, this is exactly what it says in verse 4. According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. God chose us. He chose us. You see, God didn't need any sons. You and I need a father, but God didn't need any son. He had the son of all sons. He had his, own, his only begotten son, it says, John 3. And that only begotten son was perfect in every way. From all of eternity, he had his son, Jesus. And yet, he wanted us. I can just raise your hand and say, thank you, Father. Can you just tell him that right now? Thank you, Father. Why did he choose us? So those two things about adoption. One is it assumes you come from a different family, and that's exactly the case. In fact, if you're ever sharing the gospel with somebody, one of the first things to help them understand is that they need to be adopted into God's family. They just can't walk in and become part of it. You need to be brought in to the family. Second thing is adoption means there's a choice that's been made. God chose you and I. And what did he choose us for? It goes on in verse 5 saying, he's predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace wherein he hath made us accepted. Everybody say accepted. Accepted in the beloved. Imagine that. God chose us. And that choice was not simply, you know, a, a matter of picking. Before the foundation of the world, he had a plan. And he sent his son Jesus in the fullness of time. And when Jesus came, Jesus, the son of God, who had been with the father in the father's house from all eternity, he left that glory to come down here. And Jesus came to pay the price for you and I to be part of God's family. There's a price that's been paid, a costly price. God the father was willing for his own son to die for you and I to become his sons. It says in Isaiah 53, it pleased the Lord to crush his son Jesus. It pleased him. God saw you and I. What he sees in us, I don't know, but he chose us. And I want you to think one more thought about this, about what Christ came to do. In the garden, it's very clear. Jesus knelt down in prayer. In fact, uh, and Luke, it tells us that when he cried out to God, this is the night before he goes, when he's taken to go to the cross. That night, he knew what was about to take place. And he knelt down and he prayed. It says his blood became like, sweat, his, his tear became like drops of blood, great drops of blood. 
Even an angel had to come and strengthen him. And he prayed yet more earnestly, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. If it's possible, all things are possible with you, take this cup away. Imagine Jesus, the only Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God from all eternity, now praying, Father, if it's possible, let this cup be taken away. And that cup he was referring to, the cup that the Father was giving him to drink, that cup was not just physical suffering on a cross. That was painful, it's true, but that wasn't the cup he was talking about. The cup that Jesus Christ was talking about was a cup that was filled with the sins of the whole world. All of our sins. Everything we've done. Not only just yours and mine and someone else's, but the whole world's past, present, and future. He was going to take that whole cup and drink it all. In fact, it says, he who knew no sin, that's Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin. All of it. He was going to drink that cup of sin and literally become sin. And here's the worst part. The moment he took that cup of sin when he went onto the cross, the moment the Father put the iniquity and sin of the whole world upon him, the moment the Father did that, the Father had to turn his eyes away from Jesus because the Bible says the Father's eyes are too holy to behold sin. He turned his and the skies became black. What did Jesus say there on the cross? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting from Psalms 22. That was the cup he was asking the Father, if, if there's any other way to save these people, if there's any other way to, to, to bring them into your family, please do it that way, not like this, Lord. For me to be separated from my Father, who I've been with in, his, in my Father's house from all of eternity, to be separated from you, Father, to take the cup of sin that I've never known, if it's possible. That would break the heart of any father. But what did Father God say? Well, he was silent because it was the only way. Think about the price. Think about the price of your salvation that it cost the death of God's only son. This adoption plan is not cheap. It cost the death of God's only son to bring us in so that we can come into the Father's house and look at him and say, Father, not just religious words, but we can speak it from our heart and call him Father and know that we're his children. Think about that. But there's something else about this adoption that makes it different than just birth. And this is the part that I was kind of weighing out in my mind. I said, I, I know I must be born again into God's family, but here it says we're going to be adopted. There's a big dif- there's a difference here. And one of the main differences between adoption and birth, at least in the natural sense, well, and, and a, a child that's adopted, there, there's a legal tie. 
That child now is legally a member of that family. The, the second tie, there's an emotional tie. That child can grow up knowing a father's love and a mother's love like any other child. That adopted child is in a healthy family situation can experience all of those good things. But that third tie in the natural, that third tie, that blood tie, that tie can't be formed in a natural adoption. It's not possible. In fact, many children, once they've realized they've, uh, at some point in their, their life, they realize they've been adopted, many of them go in long searches trying to find their true biological father or mother if it's a possibility. They, 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 that's a, for many of them, it's a heart-rending thing because there's something inside us that wants to belong by blood. That's the way God made us. But here's the difference between natural birth, natural adoption, and spiritual birth. And the spiritual adoption, and that's that there is a blood tie in Jesus Christ. That's the difference. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, through His blood, not only do we have a legal right to call God our Father, not only do we have an emotional acceptance with God the Father, but now... Through the blood of Jesus Christ, there's a blood tie because it says this. And if you turn with me uh, quickly to, to Romans chapter 8, I want you to see an awesome scripture here. And here's what it says happens in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, it says this in verse 15. It says, you have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear. Verse 15, it says, you have received, and listen to this, you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit, verse 16, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. When you're adopted into God's family, it's not paperwork that's taking place. God writes upon your heart. God deposits something in your life. Bible says his seed is in us. His DNA is in us. It's like it says in Colossians 1.27, Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's not enough. See, salvation is not just getting your sins forgiven and saying, well, thank God I was a sinner, now I'm a forgiven sinner. I, there's one bumper sticker I really don't like too well. It says this, Christians aren't perfect, they're just forgiven. Well, that's probably true. At least if you were speeding down the highway, that bumper sticker would get you off the hook. But how many know God wants us to be like him? We can't do it ourselves. We cannot take on, if you're adopted into a family in the natural, you cannot take on the physical characteristics and the genes and DNA of those parents. You can't do it. But the adoption plan of Jesus Christ, of the good news, the gospel, he puts, not only does he take care of all the legal things. See, our past family that we were, we were indebted and we were bound to live that way, that past way of life, that's all been canceled. We're free from that. Like any other adopted child, we're free from that to belong to God's family. And all, there's that acceptance and love, but there's a blood tie also. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, now he lives in us and God can change us. How many believe that? God can change us. 
The good news isn't just forgiveness of sins. The good news is that he is going to live inside us also. Christ in us, the hope of glory. You know, when a, the, the DNA inside of a tadpole, as long as that tadpole is alive and it's eaten properly, as long as that tadpole is alive, the very life inside that tadpole causes him, causes that little creature to transform from a water-breathing, fish-like creature into a frog. It's called metamorphosis. God does that in our life. He put his seed there. It's not what you do to change yourself. You can't do that. That little tadpole's not, not struggling to push out a leg and an arm. Oh, boy, if I could just get a leg like my daddy had. I bet the tadpole thought he was pretty strange looking compared to his father frog, right? Oh, if I could just push out a leg here and an arm, you know, I can start jumping on He would have died. He can't do it. We can't change ourselves. Can you say amen? We can't change ourselves. It's his life in us, the spirit of adoption. And the spirit bears witness with our spirit now, our new spirit, our new life, that we are the children of God. It's not like, well, I learned a nice doctrine in Sunday school today. I'm a child of God. Praise the Lord. It's not like that. That's just a bunch of religion. I'm talking about reality. He's your father. His DNA is in you. Can you say that with me? Father's, my father's DNA is in me. Say that with me. My father's DNA is in me. We have a heavenly father, and he's put Jesus Christ, his son, that seed of life inside of us. So even though he's adopted us, it's a new kind of adoption, not just a legal transaction, but he's put the spirit of adoption inside of us that bears witness, and we know inside we are children of God. And today, if you're not sure you're a child of God, can you just close your eyes with me for a minute? If you're not sure you're a child of God, I'm going to say a prayer, and I'd like you just to pray along with me on your own if you like. And you can receive Christ as your Savior today. You can experience the new birth. It's not a process. It's not like you have to come to church for a few months to have, experience it. It's a birth has nothing to do with your ability to do things, nothing to do with, your, with, with your, uh, how good you were, how bad you were. It's what God can do in you. So I'm going to just say a prayer. And if you've not experienced Christ as your Savior and your Lord, today would be an awesome day on Father's Day to do that. Father, I realize I'm a sinner. I realize today that I was born in a family of sin with a nature of sin. And I realize, Lord, what the Bible says, that the wages of sin is death. I realize what I deserve, Lord. I realize I deserve eternity in hell. But Jesus, today, today I see the Father's love. Today I see what Jesus did for me. Today I understand Your son, Father, your only son, died on the cross in my place on that cross 2,000 years ago. And now he's risen from the dead. He's alive to offer me the gift of life. So, Father, I come. I come repentant. I come realizing who I am. But I come to you to receive that gift of life. 
Jesus, wash away my sins with your precious blood. Let me be accepted into God's family. I believe what you did was for me, and I receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand, all of us. The good news, the gospel, is all about being able to come into the family of God, into my Father's house, and not just come there as a visitor, not come there as... Uh, well, some kind of a legal right that you have, but all of a sudden, inside of you, something is forming. You know God is your Father. It's real, not just because the paper says it, not just because a doctrine, Bible doctrine says it, not just because someone told you that, but it's real today because He's inside of you. And not only that, but you're beginning to feel things changing inside. You're beginning to see things differently, like the song we heard earlier, my father's eyes. I want to have eyes like my father. I want to be like him. I want to be like Jesus. And that change is taking place because Christ in you now is the hope of glory. And it's by the Spirit that he's changing us. Metamorphosis is taking place. The DNA is at work. The genes are developing. And he's changing us from what we were into who he is. It says in 1 John 3, we don't know what we shall be like, but we do know that when he appears, when Jesus returns, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath his hope purifies himself even as he is pure. Father, I pray right now, I thank you for this good news today, Lord. What a wonderful day to understand even more about uh, your adoption plan, Lord. Today's, as we celebrate Father's Day, we recognize you as our Father, Lord. What an awesome thing. You didn't have to choose us, but you did. You didn't have to send your son to die for us. You didn't have to pay such a cost for us. We weren't worth it, but you came. Because that's who you are. You are love. You are an eternal Father. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us, for making us accepted and beloved. And Lord, work in our lives. Help us to surrender more fully to you. Help us to allow that DNA to continue its work in our lives. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.